This is Sonic Gravity Supremacy in the Dawn of the Quantum Age. I firmly believe that any man's finest hour, the greatest fulfillment of all that he holds dear, is that moment when he has worked his heart out in a good cause and lies exhausted on the field of battle, victorious. Those words have always stuck with me, and I find myself at a defining moment now. And what I'm about to share has come at great personal cost. It's hard to describe the chaos that you feel when you're manic, and it's even harder to describe the depth of your despair when you come down into a depression. Man, I was manic for months. I could see truth there. I knew it was there, and I chased my mania for that lucidity to see the pieces assemble in my mind. And that came at great cost, not so much to me, but to my kids, my wife Ashley. And in a lot of ways, they're the ones that pay the price for my mental illness. But I decided today I'm going to leave the world in a better place. I'm going to leave the world better than I found it. I'm going to do my best. Right now, this is the best I can do for you. In this episode, I'm going to teach you the materials and geometry of the anti-gravity engine. And at the end of this episode, you'll know everything you need to know to build your own. And that is a fact. And I think it can be repurposed to create infinite green energy. And I could be delusional right now. I could be under the influence of a manic episode where everything is grandiose and I've solved the God equation and I've discovered anti-gravity and infinite energy. Or it could be that God just made me this way so I could discover it and change the world. And although my patent is pending and I intend to assert my intellectual property rights under the Constitution of the United States, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8. If something were to happen to me, I just can't let this information die with me. It needs to be democratized. Recent current events like the oil spill off the coast of California, the melting of the ice caps, the constant forest fires on the west coast, the increasing power, destruction, and frequency of the hurricanes on the east coast, and the continual flooding that results that's destroying the lives, homes, and wealth of the American people. It's gotta stop. The oligarchs with a stranglehold on energy that threatens to destroy the planet. Except it doesn't really threaten to destroy the planet. It threatens to destroy us. Earth is gonna be here long after we self-destruct. And that too is a fact. And that's what this is really about. This is about me taking personal responsibility to make a change. Right now you are orbiting in sonic gravity and you are seeing the universe through the eyes of a madman. And when I release you from my orbit, you will know for certain whether or not sonic gravity is just the schizophrenic delusion of a troubled mind or whether the truth of reality and the dawn of the quantum age was forged in the mind of madness. So we need to start with a little physics and a little quantum physics as I have taught myself and come to understand it over the last few months. And if I lose you during this episode, just push pause and check out Critical Thinking 4, 5, 6, 7, 10, 11, 12, 13, and the Critical Thinking Supremacy episodes. It's kind of a ride. 
So we got to talk about a little physics so that everyone understands how and why the anti-gravity engine works. Now, Einstein's bedrock principles of the theory of relativity are these. is the invariance of the speed of light. The speed of light is always the speed of light for all observers. And that is a fact. And the equivalence of gravitational and inertial mass. And what that means is if you jump in your Corvette and hit the gas, the force that presses you into the back of your seat is the exact same type of force and indistinguishable from the gravitational field and the gravity that we feel from the Earth. So remember in Critical Thinking Supremacy, the construction of the sonic gravity quantum anti-gravity turbine, we were looking at our universe like it was frames of a movie and every frame was just an instant of time. And so then we turned those frames into slices of cheese and then we stacked them like you see stacks of sliced cheese in the grocery store. So if you're watching the universe through your TV, the face of the cheese would be what you'd see on your TV screen. But if you turned to the side, the thickness of the cheese is an instant of time. And all of time is a stack of frames, a stack of slices of cheese. And if you were to go a slice of cheese to the left, you're going back in time, one instant of time, one plank time. If you went one slice to the right, you'd go a slice into the future, an instant of time into the future. And so our universe is actually moving through time. The flow of time is our passage from one slice of cheese to the next. And inside the middle of each slice of cheese is what you call the Higgs field. It's like the chewy center of our slice of cheese. The Higgs field is what leashes. It's the little element of our reality that leashes us and ties us to the instant of time as we're passing through it. So the reason time doesn't leave us in the past is because of the Higgs field that ties us to the present. And it ties all the matter in the universe to our slice of cheese. So what you see in the universe in one second is generally the same as what you see in the next second. And so all the matter in the universe is tied to the Higgs field by the Higgs string. And so imagine like a string that sticks out of the chewy center of our slice of cheese. It's one plank length long. And every atom in the universe is tied to the Higgs field by a Higgs string. So every one of our atoms is connected to the Higgs field by one of these Higgs strings. And the other side of the Higgs string is anchored inside each of our atoms by a particle called the Higgs boson. Now the Higgs string is one plank length long, which is the smallest something can be. And so our matter can actually stretch one slice of cheese to the left or right before it engages the Higgs string. But if it goes any further to two slices of cheese, the Higgs string jerks it back. But all of the matter in the universe doesn't just go back and forth across those slices of cheese. It actually kind of goes in a circle, which is what particle spin really is. And just as an aside to all you theoretical physicists out there, that's an orbit with a four plank length diameter. So the circumference of the orbit orbit is 12.55 Planck lengths, but along that orbit at the 6 o'clock and 12 o'clock point, the orbit intersects our slice of cheese so that we can interact with that matter. But when matter's in the other 10.55 Planck lengths of that orbit, we can't interact with it because it's not in our slice of cheese. It's still there, its gravity is still there. You've probably already realized that that's what dark matter is because 10.5 to 2 is the same as 1 to 5.25, which is the scientific consensus on the ratio of observed 
observable matter to dark matter in the universe, and that is a fact. So just like we talked about in Critical Thinking Supremacy and the Sonic Gravity Theory of Everything, all of the matter in the universe is sloshing around across four Planck times. And the rest of the time, it's dark matter. And this is just for the theoretical physicists. The Higgs field's actually the gravity field, and the Higgs boson is actually the graviton. And I'm going to teach all the theoretical physicists about quantum gravity in a different episode, but just to kind of give you a teaser, think of the curvature of time. Quantum gravity is the tension in the Higgs string. Think of mechanics of materials. Kinetic time dilation is the strain in time. So force is strain times the modulus of elasticity of space. And that is a fact. A little Easter egg for the theoretical physicists. I just solved quantum gravity for you. And yeah, thereby unifying Newtonian physics and quantum physics. Ta-da! You're welcome. Don't say I never did anything nice for you. And the last couple minutes might have sounded like gobbledygook. But here's the takeaway, that all of our atoms are tied to this instant of time by the Higgs string. And it's passing through the curvature of time, it's the tension in the Higgs string that causes gravity. So the only way to get rid of gravity is to bust the Higgs string out of our atoms so that we're not tethered to this slice of cheese. And the only way we're ever going to bust the Higgs string off of our atoms is if we push it with a harmonic load and try to achieve resonance. And that's exactly how you push somebody on a swing, you push them out, you wait, they go out, they come back, you push them again. They go out, they come back, you push them again, and they get higher and higher and higher, and you build more and more and more energy until the system can't take it anymore. We achieve this symmetry break with the Higgs field, and we bust all the Higgs strings off of our atoms. And we covered this extensively in Critical Thinking Supremacy, the Sonic Gravity Mass Effect. And in that episode, we decided there were two things that we needed to know how to do to achieve the symmetry break. We we need to know how to push and we need to know when to push. And since we know the left-handed electron trades a weak hypercharge back and forth with the Higgs field and that's what slows it way down compared to a right-handed electron. And we know from Newton's third law of motion that an action creates an equal and opposite reaction. So if the Higgs field is slowing down the left-handed electron, then the left-handed electron is pushing on the Higgs field too. And that is a fact. So we're going to rustle up some left-handed electrons in a magnetic field and we're going to shoot those left-handed electrons at the Higgs field like a fire hose slash machine gun like we're pushing a swing. So we're going to shoot a pulse of left-handed electrons. We're going to give it enough time to go out and swing back then we'll shoot it again. It'll go out and swing back. We'll shoot it again. It'll go out and swing back over and over building energy until the Higgs string can't take it anymore and it's going to bust loose. And since we'll no longer be tied to this slice of cheese, we won't have any gravity and we'll be able to take off like a bullet. We'll be able to corner it 90 degrees and we'll be able to stop on a dime in our tic tacs and that too is a fact and i suspect we're also going to be able to quantum tunnel at scale so we're going to be able to go through stuff like kitty pride maybe i'm pretty sure so the only question left is when to push but that's easy because we know that all of the matter in the universe is orbiting in a four plank length orbit so that means we push it goes one two four out comes one two four back we push again so the magic number is eight, and that too is a fact. 
And getting that exactly right might be tough for lesser minds, but we've got it all figured out at every rotational speed because we're going to design the geometry of the turbine to handle that for us. So now we're going to go into a little bit of uncharted territory. We've never really talked about magnetic fields yet, but all you really need to know about electromagnetic fields when it comes to creating an anti-gravity field is that if you spin a disc that's made of a material that conducts electricity, if you spin that disc between two magnets, you're going to squeeze the electrons out of that disc. You're going to push those electrons from the middle of the disc to the outside of the disc, like squeezing toothpaste out of the tube. And because that spinning disc is forcing those electrons to move outwards from the middle to the outside, it's the exact same thing as a battery. And then if you connect that disc from the outside with a contact back to the inside of the disc with another contact, it creates what you call a circuit. And you'll have a flow of electricity generated by rotating that disc between those two magnets. And if you create an electrical current like that, it triggers an electromagnetic field out of thin air. And that magnetic field is gonna flow through that disc. The round faceplate of that disc is gonna be like the opening of a fire hose. And that electromagnetic force field is gonna blast out of the face of that plate. And that is a fact. And that electromagnetic force field is going to blast out and then it's going to curve around and it's going to go around the sides like a big bubble. And then it's going to flow back through the backside of the disc. And that too is a fact. It's called a Faraday disc. And it was named after, you guessed it, a guy named Faraday. But a Faraday disc ain't going to do it because there's no way that we'll ever generate enough electromagnetic force field to bust the Higgs field off. It's just never going to happen. It would take way too much energy. But do you see it? Do you see how we're going to do it? Do you see how we're going to push like we push someone on a swing? We need our force field to pulse. So if you take your hands and you put the palms of your hands together and now twist your hands and look at them from the side. Now a Faraday disc, so if you spin the palms of your hands together, that's a Faraday disc and it's going to create a constant magnetic field, which is what we don't want. So now put the palms of your hands together and look at it from the side. Now spread your fingers out. And one of your hands is the conducting wheel. One of them is the magnet. There's an electromagnetic. So when your fingers are together, the battery is in effect, the current is generated, and the electromagnetic force field appears. Now give your hands a little twist so that your fingers are all offset and none of them are touching. In this configuration, there's no current, there's no magnetic field, and everything's stopped. And one more click, the conducting wheel and the magnets are back in alignment, the current is flowing again, and the magnetic field reappears. And that is the harmonic electromagnetic force field that the Voorhees anti-gravity engine creates. And that is a fact. So the field generating mechanism in the Voorhees anti-gravity engine is three discs stacked on top of each other, like a sandwich. The disc in the middle is a disc made of wire spokes. And the buns, the two outside discs, they're wheels of spokes too, but those spokes aren't conducting wires, they're magnets. Now the geometry of those spokes is very, very important because we want the geometry of those wheels to always yield a pulse frequency that's a multiple of eight. Because remember, we want to hit the Higgs string, it needs to go four out and four back, which is eight, then we need to hit it again. So every time we hit it, we always need to hit it in a multiple of eight. And so the way we maintain that frequency multiple of eight is the way we size the width 
of the spokes and the spacing of the spokes. So in my prototype, I'm waiting for magnet spokes that are 1 32nd of an inch thick. That's why it's taking me so long to get my magnets. My two buns of magnets, they're gonna be a 24 inch disc and the last three or four inches is where the magnets are gonna be arranged as spokes. My magnets are gonna be 1 32nd of an inch wide. So that means I have to space them eight times that distance apart on centers. So I put down a magnet pointing from the outside of the disc in. It's 1 32nd of an inch across. So I measure eight times that amount, which is a quarter inch. And then I place the next magnet. And then I place the next magnet. And I go all the way around the disc and I'm all set. And when you place those magnets, you realize that you your spokes can't go all the way to the middle of the disc because they start getting too close together and you can't keep that eight times distance. So you can actually only really put your magnets on sort of the outer rim of the discs. So in the buns, in the outside magnet discs, the thicker you make that band, the fewer spokes you're going to have because the inside rim of that band needs a spoke spacing of eight times the thickness of the magnet spoke. And the further in you go, the less space you have to work with. Now, ideally, you would taper your magnets so the magnets would get a little bit fatter as you got closer to the outside of the disc so you could really maintain that magic number eight multiple. So in my prototype, I'm going to do three inch spokes on a 24 inch disc that are 1 32nd of an inch across spaced a one quarter of an inch apart. And that quarter inch is measured from the center line of that magnet spoke to the next center line of the next magnet spoke. Now in the middle disc, I'm going to line it with 30 gauge wire, which is 0.01 inches. And I think I want to space those about 1 16th of an inch apart. I don't think that'll mess up the eight factor. I think it would just kind of be like I was spinning the wheel four times faster. And I had all these great ideas where I was going to have like dual motors and spin the magnet frames in the opposite direction of the conducting spokes. And I came up with a design for a brushless motor embedded in a hydrodynamic bearing so it would spin super duper fast on a microscopic cushion of air with no friction. And it would go wing And the anti-gravity force field would go whoa, 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 whoa. So I could suck some shit into a motherfucking vortex. And I reached out to a machinist who had a YouTube channel and I told him my idea and I figured out he actually works for the Naval Propulsion Laboratory. And he said he thought I was an internet inventor. And I thought, yeah, so? With incomplete plans and no design. And I'm thinking, dude, I drew you a picture. And I told him why I needed it. I showed him the design for the vag. He said I had no empathy. And he kind of got me with that one. But I don't know how he figured that out in like one email. And I was like, yeah, you got me. I'm a psychopath. I'm really sorry. Hope I didn't offend you. So maybe I need to work on my communication skills. So I was trying to be vulnerable and shit, but it didn't work. He didn't even answer me after that. I even offered to make him a co-inventor on the patent application for the hydrodynamic motor, and it didn't even make a dent. Whatever. Thanks, Tom. And if you listen to Disclosure of Supremacy, which is the episode that I did a few days ago, I talked about how somebody on Twitter sent me a photograph of what was allegedly a component of a downed UFO, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I showed it to my wife, and she flipped. So I want you to look at the podcast episode of Disclosure Supremacy. Look at the cover art 
art on that podcast. Look at that component. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That is a band with radial fibers covered in graphene. Because, by the way, if you listen to that episode, I teach you how to make graphene. But don't do it because it's super sharp. It's one atom thick. You cut yourself really bad or catch yourself on fire. Don't do it because it's not worth a Darwin Award. So a sheet of graphene is 200 times stronger than steel and one atom thick. And the molecular structure of graphene is hexagonal symmetry. And that hexagonal symmetry separates left and right-handed electrons. So my original design has graphene covering the magnetic spokes. But I also noticed that there are some concentric bands that run perpendicular to those spokes. And I think that makes sense because that's like a little rim where it would act like a full Faraday wheel. And I think that constant magnetic field just in that little ribbon might give some stability to the rest of the magnetic field. And I think also structurally, it probably helps hold the conducting spokes the right distance apart. So I think that makes a lot of sense. The one thing that surprised me though is that it looks like the sheet of graphene is in the middle. That's the conducting wheel. I'm certain it's the conducting wheel because you would never have magnets perpendicular like that. And so I'm wondering if this isn't a far more advanced construction using straight graphene as the middle disc with some kind of carbon nanotubes or something as conducting spokes. It's really interesting, but what this tells me is that my quantum echo hypothesis is absolutely correct because this is way, way too advanced for the 1940s and 50s. So it's either us coming back from the future and this is my own design looking at me in the face, or it's an alien craft and my brain is just kind of catching up with their UFO technology. And one of those two things is a fact. I'm not sure which one. Probably the first one. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. So when you spin that disc of conducting filaments between those properly spaced frames of magnets, you're going to create a pulsing harmonic field. And if you line your magnet frame, the buns of the vag, so to speak, with a layer of graphene, then the hexagonal molecular structure will maximize the left-handed electron density in that field. And the geometry of the spokes in the magnet discs are going to keep you at the right frequency, no matter how fast you spin that wheel. And so then the game is just to spin the wheel as fast as you can to create as much energy as possible within that field to reduce the mass of the matter inside that field. And I filed my patent. My patent is pending. So even though I'm sharing this with the world, my intellectual property should be protected. And the smart thing to do, right, the business thing to do, the most profitable thing to do might be keep it a secret, don't let anybody know, have a monopoly. But that's fucked up. That just perpetuates all the mechanisms that are killing our species. That is not empathetic sensitivity. That is a fact. And it's true that I haven't got my magnets yet. I haven't actually built my own, but I know it's going to work because it was forged by critical thought. I know it's going to work because all the puzzle pieces fit together. You know, I just realized in pursuing the physics of UFO and UAP flight, I solved the God equation and unraveled all the mysteries of theoretical physics and unified Newtonian physics and quantum physics. And if you want to know about that, check out Critical Thinking Supremacy, the sonic gravity theory of everything. that was an accident. That was a byproduct of my mental illness, a side effect of seeking the truth about the physics of UAP flight dynamics. And there's kind of a parallel irony here because as I assembled the Voorhees anti-gravity engine, or the VAG, in my mind, I unlocked the key to infinite quantum energy. Wait, wait, wait. Can you unlock a key? You don't really unlock a key, do you? That's like hearing your ear. All right, forget that. 
You know what I mean. But that was an accident. That was a byproduct of my mental illness, a side effect of seeking the truth. And that is a fact. Because when we begin to spin up the vag, we draw current to drive the motor, which spins the conducting filaments between the magnet spoke frames. The magnets squeeze the electrons out of the filaments, like, like pushing the toothpaste out of the tube. And for that instant, the conducting wheel becomes a battery, which shoves current through a circuit, which creates the magnetic field. But that is not the end of the story. Do you see it? Do you see the infinite energy right there? Because as the field is generated, the components of the vag get lighter. The friction gets lower. So the vag spins faster, which creates more energy, which creates a more powerful electromagnetic force field, which lowers the mass even further, which lowers the friction even further. So the vag spins faster, creates more energy, creating a more powerful force field, which lowers the mass of the vag even further. It lowers the friction of the vag even further. So the disc spins even faster, and it all begins again. So in the same way that the engine in your car burns gas and extracts the energy from that fuel, the vag draws quantum energy from the universe. And as it decouples the Higgs bosons and sends the Higgs bosons into the past, the universe, in order to maintain the balance, according to the law of conservation mass energy, the universe will spin the vag faster and faster and faster. So with a capacitor and a switch to rechannel the steady state flow of the power generated by the vag, the electricity that the vag produces back into its own motor, perpetual motion is achieved and unlimited quantum energy is mine. And that is a fact. Okay, fine. It can be ours. One thing my father said to me before I went into the army, and I'll never forget it. He said, Brad, you'll be amazed at what you can get done and how much good you can do if you're not worried about who gets the credit. And even though I haven't built it yet, I mean, I know it works. It has to. Man, I want this so fucking bad for my family. I mean, this could be life-changing. Pay for college for all my kids. Retire, live life on the beach, podcast full-time. And I really hope that by making this episode right now and publishing it, I'm not just fucking myself. When I look and I see the beaches coated with oil, the West Coast on fire, people in the Midwest drowning in hundred-year floods every two years, the East Coast getting hammered by hurricanes. So I filed a patent application to protect my intellectual property, but I just couldn't sit on it. Because if this works, the world needs it now. Fossil fuel dependence, climate change, energy oligarchy, and, and failing American energy infrastructure. This podcast episode could change all that. This one podcast episode could change the world. And whether it works or not, I won't know for sure for another six weeks probably. While I wait for my thousand dollar order of one thirty-second inch magnets to arrive. And just like every other component that comes to the house, Ashley will say, Honey... Another part for the anti-gravity force field came. That sounds so bananas, it just, it never gets old. But in the meantime, I want you to do something for me. I'd like you to like and follow the Sonic Gravity Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and send me a note on my website, www.sonic-gravity.com. And if you're one of the little people like me and Ashley, you want to take this podcast episode and build your own anti-gravity field generator in your garage, go ahead, have fun. I want to hear your 
results, but everybody else pays. And now you've spent 26 minutes orbiting in my sonic gravity, seeing the universe through the eyes of a madman. You saw the geometry and the architecture of an anti-gravity electromagnetic force field generator, and are the second person in the world to discover the secret of unlimited quantum energy, and bear witness to the dawn of the quantum age. And that is a fact. Thank you.